Thank you very much, Sheena. Oh, I'm nice and loud. Good evening. So how's, um, how's it going with Christmas shopping? Uh, hands up if you've actually finished your Christmas shopping. Don't be ashamed. Wow. Can I just say to you, smugness is never attractive. <laughs> hands up if you haven't started your Christmas shopping yet. Shame on you. I'm having a bit of a nightmare with Christmas shopping. Um, hands up if, um, if you shop on Amazon. Right. So I'm... I look at my wife's wish list, Helen's wish list on Amazon. I think, ah, oh, there are a few things there which will be things I can buy that uh, save me going to the shops and um, will be nice things. And so I order a variety of things from Helen's wish list on Amazon. Now, you may wonder why I'm telling you this story, given that my wife's here, but this is the problem, you see. When I ordered the things on Amazon, I signed in through my wife's account, by mistake. <laughs> now, those of you who understand Amazon understand what that means. That means that after I'd ordered the goods, my wife Helen receives an email telling her what I've bought for her, how much it costs. She then gets a subsequent email which tells her when it will arrive and where it will arrive. I suspect I may have ruined the surprise at Christmas, just a little bit. Uh, Christmas presents are complicated. We were wrapping presents last night. Um, we sat down and we watched a Christmas film and we wrapped some presents together. And she was wrapping five to my one. That was very, very upsetting. I don't know what it is. I don't want to be sexist, guys, but men, don't we find Christmas wrapping Christmas presents really difficult? I mean, it's just so hard, isn't it? I cannot understand why... Women can sort of have, you know, a piece of paper the size of a postage stamp and be able to wrap a jumbo jet in it. Whereas, you know, I've got a, a piece of paper the size of a badminton court and I'm trying to wrap a box of matches and it's just so infuriating. I mean, generally I've got a plan in regard to this. I now wrap presents that are square. I try and buy square or oblong presents. It's an actually, it's actually a brilliant idea. Uh, I don't know why people haven't thought of it before. So, there are lots of square presents in my house. DVDs, uh, games in boxes, boxes of chocolates, tins of biscuits. It's quite a choice, really. You know, all sorts of things. Picture frames, dried pet food comes in boxes, <laughs> washing powder. There's all sorts of various opportunities for gifts. Um, and so, when, when buying presents, if you haven't already purchase your presents, consider square things for the purposes of wrapping easily. And, and gentlemen, can I say to you, ladies like presents in boxes, particularly if they're small boxes, little boxes. You present your loved one with a neatly wrapped square box on Christmas Day and they will be thrilled. And it hasn't got to be that expensive. Really, paracetamol from Sainsbury's, 26p. Get a box of Tic Tacs for practically nothing. There's also a box of Swan Vesta, all sorts of options. So wrapping presents can, can be quite a challenge. And we think back, don't we? We think back to the very first Christmas and the first presents received, gold, frankincense and myrrh, 
given to the baby Jesus by the wise men. Those words were read to us a little bit earlier. Um, But what is really interesting about those words and those gifts, those very first gifts, is that actually it doesn't seem that they they were wrapped. I think it's really important because actually those gifts were not wrapped. And the reason, folks, that those gifts were not wrapped is to do with the people who gave those gifts. They were wise (laughs) and they were men. (laughs) I actually want to focus our attention a little bit on those guys, the wise men. Uh, We want to spend... A little bit of time, because actually I think there's an important message that we can receive from this particular part of the Christmas story. Who were these people, these wise men who came to visit Jesus? We have a picture, don't we, of three men on camels with beards. I mean, the men had beards, not the camels. Uh, And and this image of these travellers carrying gifts. Uh, But who were these wise men? Well, actually, I mean, sometimes they were called magi. What does that mean? Well, first thing is, we don't know if there were three of them. We've made that assumption because there were three gifts, but nowhere does it actually say there were three of these these guys. What we're sure of is that they they travelled from a foreign place, uh, probably somewhere like Arabia, possibly what is now modern-day Iraq. It's possible that they were astronomers or astrologers or ancient scientists, and they had travelled a great distance. They were committed to a substantial journey. And they were also aware that the person they were looking for was someone very special. They were actually, in fact, they were actually convinced that they were looking for a king. And for that reason, they went looking in the wrong place. They went to the place where they expected the king to be, a place called Jerusalem. That's where the current king, King Herod, was. And they they thought that's where he would be, but they were wrong. They had to go elsewhere. Eventually, they found the child and they arrived sometime after the birth, uh, and they saw the child. And when they saw the child, they realised that the whole thing had been worthwhile. And this is how the moment is described in Matthew's Gospel, which Dave read for us a little bit earlier on. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Now, I don't know what it was that they saw when they gazed upon this newborn baby. I can't imagine what it was that caused these wise and these deep-thinking travellers to respond in the way that they did. But what, it, what is apparently really clear, what I do know, is that when they saw Jesus, when they met with Jesus, they were convinced that they had found what they were looking for. They were persuaded that their journey had not been in vain. And so as we reflect upon these wise men, and as we think about our own lives, I just want to make three small points. I just want us to consider three things. The first thing is being on a journey. The second one is a long distance to travel. And the third one is looking in the wrong place. Let's just spend a moment looking at these these three things. So first of all, they were on a journey. Now journeys can be challenging, can't they? Have you ever been on a challenging journey? A few years ago, we had a family holiday in France. And um, we hired a car. Uh, and at an extortionate rate, they let us have a sat-nav as well. Uh, and uh, the kids were about seven and eight. And I think they needed child seats. We had to pay an even more extortionate rate for the child seats. 
vast amounts of euros so that we could put these kids... I said, can't we just put them in the boots? But apparently not. So we, we, pay, so we, had, we had this whole thing going on and, uh, and I was operating the sat-nav and Helen was driving and the two boys, who were about seven and eight, our two sons, were sat in the back. And Helen felt that she knew where she was going. And she was disagreeing with what I regarded as the sound and quality advice of the sat-nav. I felt we needed to be obedient to the sat-nav's superior knowledge in this matter. Helen thought not. And so as we went along, our marriage floundering on the rocks of navigational incompetence, there was a fairly blunt exchange of views that were going on. Uh, and Helen was strongly arguing her case, and I was trying to help her see that in this particular situation, clearly I was right. Um, and our two boys were in the back listening, and then suddenly from the back of the car we received this advice from the eight-year-old, which, which simply said this. He said, let's not get into who did what to who, shall we? <laughs> which I thought was probably yeah, helpful. But journeys, that was a challenging journey for us. And journeys can be challenging. I'm sure you've been on challenging journeys. And the journeys that these wise men went upon, this journey that they embarked upon, was a challenging one. And as we think about journeys, and as we think about life, can I ask you a question? Where are you going? What sort of journey are you on? A good friend of mine said that before he became a Christian, one of the things that bugged him was this sense that things seemed a bit futile, a bit meaningless. He said, I used to think we're born, we go to school, we grow up, we go to work, we retire, we get ill and we die. What's all that about? What's the point of that? But since he became a Christian, his life has been transformed. He has a purpose, there's meaning to his existence and most importantly, he understands how the journey ends. I think that's really important. Do you remember Forrest Gump? Those of us who are old enough to remember the film Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump just ran. I just run. It's more like John Wayne, isn't it? But um, you know who I mean. You know, no direction, no purpose, going nowhere, no reason. Sometimes our lives can feel a little bit like Forrest. A meaningless, directionless journey with an uncertain destination. And these wise men, they wondered about this king. This journey had a reason. They needed to work it out. Was there anything in this? They were inspired to look for something beyond the natural, beyond the normal. And I'm suggesting that in the confusion of our lives, there is a worthwhile journey to make. I'm suggesting that people can go beyond the natural, set out on a journey of discovery, and set out with a similar attitude to these wise men. Openly ask the question, is there anything in this? Who is this Jesus? The sorts of questions that Pat was talking about a little bit earlier. Who is this Jesus? Was he really a king? Is he more than a king? See, the wise men could have stayed where they were, but they decided, no, we want to know, we want to investigate, we want to find out for ourselves. And when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to Christianity, don't simply trust what other people say. Don't simply trust what the media says or what the scientists say. Don't even trust what I'm saying. Actually, Have a look for yourself. Start the journey. The second point was simply this, a long distance to travel. These men had a long way to go geographically. And you may may feel that in order to meet with God, you've got a long way to go. You've got a long distance to travel. 
And it may not be geography, but you feel a long way away. Maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's culturally, maybe it's intellectually. Maybe you think that if you walk into church, you have to leave your brains at the door on the way in. That's not true. Maybe morally you feel, oh, I'll just never be good enough for God. I might be interested in God, but I'm just not good enough. You're not. No one is. I'm not, you're not. But God is so kind, God is so loving. He reveals himself in order that we can find him and know him. He forgives us, he shows us how we can start again. I want to encourage you, take one step towards God and suddenly your whole world begins to open up in a brand new way. The barrier between us and God is not as thick as we might think it is. Don't let distance put you off. It was a long way. The wise men travelled a long way, but how did their journey start? Well, it started with the first step. And I just encourage people tonight, maybe it's time for you to take that very first step. Okay, the third point, the final point, looking in the wrong place. These guys didn't get lost, they just went to the wrong place. They went to Jerusalem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They were looking in the wrong city. Not so wise at that point. But I put it to you that every person knows there's more to life than we can see, more to life than we can touch. Everywhere, people look for fulfilment, they look for meaning. But so often, we look in the wrong place. Alcohol, sex, money, possessions, careers, drugs, sports, shopping, pubs, clubs, food, drink, whatever it might be. What do people live for? Well, some live for the buzz of the nightclub or the buzz of the football stadium. Some live for holidays or for careers. Some, live, uh, some people stagger from one disastrous relationship to another, desperately looking for meaning, desperately looking for the answer but not finding it. The statement of our current culture could be summarised by an old song by a band called U2. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And so as we look for fulfilment, is there a danger that we can sometimes be looking in the wrong places? For a time, the wise men lost their way. They were looking in the wrong place. And we can lose our way. Even Christians sometimes lose sight of what matters. And sometimes we have to come back to where we were. And remember what's important. Remember what our priorities are. Remember ultimately what fulfills us, what gives meaning to our lives. And so if you're here tonight and you're not really sure about God, I'm saying to you, as you look for meaning, as you look for fulfilment, look to Jesus. Look at Jesus. He meets our greatest need, the need to be forgiven by God. If he can meet our greatest need, he can meet our other needs as well, all of our other needs. It's not some sort of Cosmic insurance policy. It's not as if all Christians float around with organ music in the background with their heads glowing. It's simply that in my own experience, I know that having God with me every day of my life causes me to see my circumstances in a very different way, through very different eyes. God can be with you every day. More than that, he can intervene, he can guide, he can help. And so if you're searching for the things that satisfy, I'm just encouraging us, let's not search in the wrong place. The wise men left Jerusalem with all of its history, all of its culture, all of its religious and royal heritage. They could have kept looking there, but they thought, wait a minute, this isn't right. We're not looking in the right place. And so be prepared to recognise sometimes we can look in the wrong place for stuff. And Jesus invites us, look at me. He says, look at me. Look at him. And so these are the three things I want us to think about 
as I conclude. First, there's a journey to, to travel. What journey are you currently travelling on? Secondly, there's the issue of distance. You may feel a long way away, but actually the barrier isn't as big. It can be removed by God. And thirdly, have you found what you're looking for? If not, are you looking in the wrong place? When these wise men saw Jesus, they were completely convinced. They concluded, that's it. This is what the journey was for. We have found the one that we have travelled this great distance to find. And so as you, as you search, as you embark upon a journey, as you wonder where it will lead you, let me assure you of this. Jesus never disappoints. As people find him, as they meet with him, as they get to know him, their lives, like Pat's, their lives are genuinely changed forever. And they conclude, yes, that was what I was looking for. So my encouragement and my desire and my prayer for all of us is that we will decide to go on a journey. And that journey will lead us to meet with Jesus. Because that's what wise men do. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Amen.